This morning we go on for the, the major method in the practice of mindfulness of breathing. This is the one that's the keeper. This is the one you stay with. The full body awareness is almost like preschool because you want to achieve shamatha just practicing that. It will lead you to it, but you won't get there. Also attending to the rise and fall of the abdomen. I'm quite confident that won't take you all the way to shamatha either. The sensations are rather coarse. You won't develop very great vividness and so forth. So for those really wishing to proceed along, far along the path of shamatha, then I would strongly suggest the classic method. And that is coming up here to the sensations of the breath at the apertures of the nostrils. Attending to those, and again uniquely to this practice, that the object of mindfulness becomes subtler and subtler as you progress in the practice. All other, all other methods entail the object of mindfulness getting more and more vivid. But here, the breathing gets more subtle, the sensations get more subtle, it arouses greater and greater vividness. So it's a unique attribute. No wonder then that the Buddha taught this practice of shamatha more than any other method, at least as recorded in the Pali Canon. At the same time, some of you are good scholars of Buddhism, you'll know that you won't achieve shamatha by focusing on a tactile object, some tactile sensation. Because the achievement of shamatha takes you from this so-called desire realm, the realm of our physical senses, into another dimension of existence called the form realm. And when your mind becomes immersed in that dimension of reality, you become disengaged completely mentally disengage from all physical sensations. So if you're still attending to a physical sensation, whether it's visual, auditory, tactile, it'll be like, how do you say, dropping your anchor and then trying to set sail. All right, the anchor will keep you anchored in the desire realm and you won't, you won't achieve shamatha, right? So then why do we attend to the tactile sensations? Well, this is called, these tactile sensations at the apertures of the nostrils, these are called the preliminary sign. This too is a preliminary. This too is an early phase. This is like elementary school in the practice of mindfulness of breathing. As you progress in the practice, the sensations become subtler and subtler, and you have this marvelous, extraordinary synergy of a deepening sense of relaxation, strengthening stability, and the refinement of vividness of attention. So the magic of shamatha sets in, right? Eventually, and there's no way of telling. For some people, it occurs quite early, some people a bit later. There's no, no telling exactly when will it will occur. Um, one person told me recently it did occur quite early. Another one told me it occurred when this person could attend for about an hour and a half, uh, fairly continuously. And then what, what occurs is the occurrence of the acquired sign. The acquired sign. It's a, te a technical term from the Pali. It's a purely mental image. It arises right where you were attending. But it's a purely, as I said, a mental image. Often it's uh, in the form of a, a spot of light, a white light. It could be a cloud, like a puff of smoke. There's a variety. I think I, I gave some, I listed some of the varieties of the acquired sign in my book, The Attention Revolution, taken directly from the classic treatise, the Visuddhimagga, or Path of Purification, from the fifth century, written by Buddha Gosa. And he's chronicling about the first seven, eight hundred years of Buddhist meditation in the Theravada tradition. So there's a lot of muscle behind this, a lot of experience. The acquired sign will arise when it arises persistently, so it's not just some image that crops up and then vanishes, but it comes again and again. Then, when it's quite clear that this is indeed the acquired sign, then you disengage your attention 
from the tactile sensations, and you focus single-pointedly on the acquired sign, whatever it may be. A puff of smoke, a cloud, a single light, a sheen of light, a constellation sometimes like a necklace or a garland of lights. You focus on that single-pointedly. And then once again, there's no telling how long it will be. It could be days, it could be months. Eventually, as your mind merges with that, it becomes more and more vivid. Your senses withdraw. Your awareness withdraws from the physical senses. You really become immersed and even drawn into this acquired sign. Then eventually, that too will be replaced with a a more subtle sign, a counterpart sign, and you'll achieve shamatha, and you'll have the various physical sensations, the bliss, and so forth, the equanimity, the focus, the utter stillness and radiant clarity of the mind, and you'll achieve shamatha. Now, at at that point, you'll have quite a number of options, but I'll just mention two. Okay, it's not to say there are only two options, but there are at least two options. And one of those is you may then focus single-pointedly on the counterpart sign, this sign, this mental image that arises when you actually cross over and achieve shamatha and gain access to the form realm. That will be one option. You may just focus single-pointedly on that and go for the full achievement of the first dhyana, so a very, very profoundly stable state of concentration, which can be very useful. Another alternative is to be satisfied with that, and this is technically called access to the first jnana, access to the form realm. You've achieved shamatha, congratulations. Give a standing round of applause. Uh, And now, without wanting to waste any time, wanting to say, hey, I just achieved shamatha, let's just... Let's just go for the most meaningful thing possible. At that point, then you may, take your, you may redirect your awareness away from any appearances to the mind and invert it right in upon awareness itself. Right? And you might start penetrating, focusing, even raising the question of who is the observer? Who is it that just inverted the attention? And in that way, you transition from shamatha vipassana, and that can give you a direct realization of the emptiness of inherent nature of your own mind. Realize that, and you're ready to go even deeper into Vipassana, and then move on and realize pristine awareness, or rikpa. And you're on an extremely straight, unelaborated, unadorned, naked path to achieving rainbow body. So shall we practice mindfulness of breathing and take a step in that direction? Okay? Okay. drawing on your most meaningful aspirations for yourself or others in the spirit of loving kindness. Let your awareness descend into the body, right down to the ground. Fill the whole space of awareness and settle your body in its natural state, imbued with relaxation, stillness, and vigilance. 
round off this initial settling of the body, you may, if you wish, take three slow, deep breaths, mindfully attending to the sensations of the breath, wherever they most distinctly arise in the field of the body. and settle your respiration in its natural rhythm as a means for calming this internal chit-chat, for settling your speech, your inner speech in its natural state of effortless silence. Let your breath flow unimpededly, effortlessly, as if you were deep asleep. And allow yourself the luxury of settling your mind in its natural state, setting it at ease, releasing all cares and concerns, hopes and fears about the past and the future. Resting in stillness in the present moment within this field of the body, clearly illuminating these sensations of the breath, wherever they most distinctly arise throughout this field. The object of mindfulness is the sensations of the, bo- of the breath throughout the body. So your awareness is present, diffuse, but not spaced out or dull.
And now narrow the focus of your attention to the sensations of the flow of the in and out breath at the gateway of the breath, at the apertures of the nostrils or just above the upper lip, wherever you most distinctly sense that passage of the breath. As you now elevate the focus of your attention to this level, it's imperative that you keep all the muscles of the face relaxed and soft. Imperative that you disengage your visual gaze from the object of meditation. Your eyes may be closed, hooded, or open as you wish. But let your gaze be vacant, your eyes soft and unfocused. Your forehead open and spacious. All the muscles around your eyes soft. This is very important. Otherwise, you may experience a building up of pressure in the head, eventually headaches. So let's prevent that. By focusing just your mental awareness, together with your tactile perception on these sensations of the breath, do not alter the breath in any way, but let it flow naturally, unforced, unrestrained. Arouse your attention and focus clearly with each in-breath. 
as you breathe out, sustain the flow of mindfulness, engage with the flow of the sensations of the breath, but as you breathe out, relax deeply and let go of any thoughts, images, memories that may have arisen in the mind throughout the whole cycle of the breath. Maintain a quiet, attentive mindfulness. to help subdue the obsessively wandering mind, the conceptual mind. Experiment with counting the breaths. One very brief, succinct count. At the end of each inhalation, you may count one through five, one through five. You may count one through 10. You may count beyond. You may count just intermittently. to help restrain this wild steed of the attention. Between breaths, maintain a quiet mind, continually engaged with the breath. The main focus of attention is on the object of mindfulness. <coughs> and the object of mindfulness now is, this, is the sensations of the passage of the breath 
at the apertures of the nostrils. As you exercise and refine this mental faculty of mindfulness, it's crucial that you also exercise and refine your faculty of introspection, monitoring the flow of mindfulness, recognizing as swiftly as possible the occurrence of either laxity or excitation, and then immediately apply the remedy, the first-line remedy, in response to laxity, arouse, refresh, and focus your attention. In response to excitation, relax, release whatever captivated your attention, and gently return your attention to the meditative object. Let's practice now in silence.
You did that very nicely. Um, might I ask you to do that again? When you're in the supine position, it's quite a, not terribly important, but it'd be helpful to come out of the supine in the most, the smoothest, silkiest way possible, not to just jerk yourself up. So Curtis has learned it well, and so I just <coughs> asked her to show you, because she did it very nicely. So Curtis, if you can just step by step, first one, one leg comes up, you rest, second leg comes up, you rest, you roll over to either side, wherever there's space, pause there just for a second, and then using your lower hip as a pivot, you, you roll out with your torso towards the ground, and, and as a rolling motion, come out, and so you're sitting up. This way, having gotten yourself, your body nice and relaxed and soft, you don't freeze it up again by jolting out of the Shavasana. Okay? Good. Um, as you well know, we're exploring, broadly speaking, three methods of shamatha in this retreat. And the question will come up, probably repeatedly, which method shall I follow? Which method shall I follow? And some of you may feel, oh, but these, the settling the mind is from Dzogchen, whereas the mindfulness breathing, that's Hinayana. That's, you know, it's lower. And awareness of awareness, they say, that's the most profound. And the Pali Canon as well, the, the Buddha said, awareness of awareness, consciousness of consciousness, the most profound of all shamatha methods. So you might feel, hey, I could either have a VW or a Rolls Royce. Why should I take the VW? You know, why don't I just go for the most profound one? Why should I waste time? You know, and so you might all want to gravitate off to, you know, at least the Dzogchen practice of shamatha, the settling the mind or awareness of awareness. And you might want to overlook, you know, this lowly, poor and lowly mindfulness of breathing. Uh, as you can tell, that would be an error. And so it's like we have three keys, a brass key, a silver key, and a golden key. And there's a door in front of you. Which key shall you use? And the answer, the right answer to that koan is the key that opens the door. And it doesn't matter whether it's brass, silver, or gold. All that really matters is that it opens the door. So for the time being, it could be the most effective. And now what does that mean, to open the door? Let's be very clear. There's nothing mysterious, occult, you know, mystical about what we're doing here. It's transparent. It's in the bright, open, clear sunlight. And that is, is your practice working or not? Your practice of shamatha, is it working or not? There are very clear criteria. As a result of your practice, do you feel more at ease, relaxed, loose? If so, good, it's working. In addition to that, is your mind becoming more stable, more calm, more silent, more composed? Can you sustain for longer and longer periods an unbroken flow of voluntary attention? We'll call that stability. If so, good, the practice is working. On the basis of relaxation and stability, is your mind getting clearer, brighter, not only during sessions, but between sessions? Is this just greater brightness, clarity, acuity, high resolution to your awareness? If so, good. Your practice is working. Okay? So in that sequence, don't invert it. Don't shift any of the sequence. But first of all, relaxation. Out of that stability, out of that vividness. And if your practice is working, whether it's the infirmary or rise and fall of the abdomen or whether it's the sensations at the apertures of the nostrils or the other two practices, if it works, don't fix it. If it works, don't repair it. Don't try to alter it. Don't try to second-guess yourself. If it works, carry on and see how far it will take you, okay? So this is really very simply a method to realize exceptional degree of sanity. So once again, it's something very, in a way, ordinary and utterly exceptional. But now 
once again, what I would strongly encourage you not to do is to be wondering, raising the question, how long will this take? Am I progressing fast enough? Where will I be in a week? How far will I have progressed by eight weeks? Etc., etc. It's, it's, it's much worse than a waste of time. It's kind of like just throwing boulders in front of your path as you're trying to walk down the path. But rather from moment to moment, especially during sessions, but also between sessions. If you want to aspire, uh, aspire to something, if you'd like to have a goal, let your goal be one that you can realize right now. Not in five minutes and not in five months or five years. Or someday when you can go into a really long retreat and shave shamatha. But let your goal be one you can realize right now. And that is right now. How sane can I be? How sane, how relaxed, stable and vivid can I be right now? And if you are being as sane as you can be, then you're achieving shamatha. And I think that's what you came here for. So let's achieve shamatha. Moment by moment, breath by breath. Good. Enjoy your day. <laughs>